0: a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. So Paul is uh, separated from the Philippian church and he's writing to them and this is the bit kind of near the end of, the le- end of his letter. We're just rem- remembering to thank them for the gifts that they have sent him uh, through their kind of mutual friend Epaphrod- Epaphroditus. Great name. And uh, they've sent support to him. He's writing back to say, thank you so much for sending these gifts to me. And uh, I like writing letters thank you letters to people thank you notes I love the card shop malarkey if you've been there in the north lane choosing a card that I think is suitable for the person and getting to express my thanks either for something they've done for me or as a church pastor here something they've done for the church and express that But that's not always been the case as a 10 year old boy I did not like writing thank you letters And uh, each Christmas, which is 42 days away, just so you know, that's come in, uh, you get this kind of thing where you get through Christmas, you have your presents, you'd have your food, time with your family. And then suddenly we'd be heading towards, heading back to school and the beginning of term. My mum would call me and my brother and my sister and say, guys, come sit at the table, it's time to write thank you notes. And it's fair to say there was that audible groan from us, like, oh, do we have to? So, well, you need to be thankful because you know, as much as my parents tried to teach me to be thankful, there was nothing in me that was thankful. I was doing it because I was just obliged to do it. Dear Uncle John and Auntie Heather, thank you for blah-de-blah toy. Hope you had a good Christmas and a great new year. In the post. You know, but there's nothing heartfelt in it whatsoever. And so uh, we, can, we can be like that. And uh, I say, my kids... Can be like that. They can be like both both ways, actually. And uh, I was away recently uh, for my family for a few days. And uh, my wife, uh, Emma, who was here a moment ago, we've got six children. And uh, she was looking after them. And uh, my brother and his wife were away for a few days. So she had her kids, his kids as well. So she had nine children for a few days. She's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, team. I think if I can get her applauded and go away again next time as well. So it's, it's working well. And uh, so I was away and uh, we're on different, uh, t- different time zones. So she sends me a video message uh, of all the kids. And so she goes around the house and, and they're like, hello, Uncle Stephen. We hope you're having a nice time. And uh, Daddy, we really miss you. We love you. And then she goes to one of my sons and one of my sons looked down the lens and said, Dad, I really do miss you. I almost, I'm just so amazingly grateful for your input in my life and just the man that you're making me to be, and particularly how you've got me through these last few years, years of education. Love you, look forward to seeing you soon. And I'm like, in another country, like, oh man, <laughs> this kid loves me, This is so amazing. I just feel so, like, uplifted. As so Em moves around, around some other children and gets some other kids, and, uh, and they look in the lens and they say, Daddy, we're really missing you. We hope you're having a lovely time. And then without missing a beat, looks up at Emma and says, is that enough? Do I have to say anything else? I just want to go and play. So so my wife lives in the whole edit. So uh, it was was a roller coaster. And uh, so what's going on here? What's Paul like? Well, Paul is like the former. He genuinely is grateful. He's rejoicing over the Philippians. And they're giving, not just because he's receiving the gift, but because it says something about who they are. But are we just looking at some just glorified thank you note? No, we're not. Paul actually writes a letter to someone else, to Timothy. And he reminds him that all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for us even though a thank, even a thank you note can be useful for us not just that we might understand that we should write more thank you notes at Christmas uh, but we might understand something of who God is uh, this morning and that's uh, there's something for us to be seen as we give our offerings we look at our finances so we're going to look at this under three points this morning that there is great rejoicing that results from our giving that is a privilege of being involved in what God is doing upon the earth. And also, how do we overcome the difficulties of parting with our cash, particularly in cash strapped times? We want to give today, and hopefully, as I speak to you, hopefully, you're feeling inspired to say, Yes, I want to give. And hopefully, some of our videos and the things we're giving into also will kind of think, Yeah, that, motiv- that motivates me. But I want to say to you this morning, church, we want to do something out of faith today. We want the Holy Spirit to help us as we do this we don't just want to do it because we think it's a good idea we want to do it because it's God's idea and God leads us in it and empowers us so let me pray for us as we do that heavenly father we want to thank you for the holy scriptures we thank you for what we find in the bible we thank you it is useful for us it's building up for us sometimes it's challenging and provoking too and God I pray help our hearts to be open this morning to the things that you want to say to us uh, that we might love you more We might see your love for us more. And I pray we might follow through in every area of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, the Philippians are Christians and they have sent gifts to another Christian. And we see it as a very usual thing, that within the family of believers, we're to be good at giving to one another. But we see also that in the scriptures, we're to be those who bless our neighbours. Just those who aren't sometimes in the household of believers, not in the church, but outside of that, also to be those who give to the poor, also give to those who are our enemies. We say pray and bless all people. And so, although this particular thank you is between one believer and another, actually, we can apply these principles for our giving as we give to the vulnerable in our city uh, today. So let's start with verse 10. Verse 10 says this I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Paul is filled with this sense of joy. This, kind of, this theme of rejoicing comes back time and time again in the book of Philippians. That's why we call this series Joy Has a Name. But he's full of joy because he's received, his need has been met. So hopefully you feel joyful when people give you things. But he's also joyful uh, because of what it speaks of this people. That there are people who haven't just given once, they've given many times. It's characteristic of the generosity that God has birthed in their hearts. Today, I hope that as a result of this message, you feel inspired to get. That is definitely one of my aims. But another one of my aims is to know that you are a rejoiced over people, Emmanuel. Did you know that? There is great rejoicing over you. We as elders, we rejoice over you as we continue to lead you. Uh, one of the greatest privileges is looking at the amount of money you give and continue to give. We've been so shocked, particularly how giving has just kind of remains well all the way through pandemic. We couldn't meet on a Sunday. It wasn't like well outside out of mind. People continue to faithfully give. It's great rejoicing for us as leaders. We well, you know this is a, a generous faithful people and uh, continue to trust us as we kind of faithfully, prayerfully uh, steward the money that you give for the sake of Jesus' gospel and also caring for the poor as well. There's rejoicing over you. There's rejoicing over you from our city. These are not new projects or some of them are new projects but they're kind of birthed out of many other projects that we've been doing over decades. Helping the homeless, helping the poor in this city. There's many people who've been helped by the finances and the many hours of volunteerism that you've given as well. People who have been helped in their greatest time of need can say, Emmanuel helped me. I rejoice over this church. There may be many in the city who don't necessarily like our church, or what we stand for. There's many others, though, who thank God for the things that we do and we're involved in. There's also people who are further afield who rejoice over this church. Rejoice over you and our gift day at the beginning we do gift days three times a year so this is our third one this year our first one at the beginning of the year we gave 30,000 of that gift day to the churches that we're linked with in Ukraine to help those who are affected by the conflict there in our summer gift day we decided we wanted to give 10% of everything that was raised to something outside of us we were giving towards church planting can we give something something else as well and a need came up uh, from pastors that we know in Kenya as they deal with what was a very severe drought and famine there. So we're able to give them thousands of pounds as well. They rejoice over you. There's rejoicing from people in other cities, as we continue to plant church into other places, again, back in the summer term, to particularly for Belfast, uh, Bath and Krakow, there are churches established there. If you were here on Thursday night, with a prayer meeting where we linked up with them uh, via Zoom, and they were just able to express their thanksgiving and their rejoicing over your gift to them. They're able to get established in those different cities. But best of all, Jesus rejoices over you. He looks at your giving, looks at your heart, and says, Wow, I love that. Jesus was saying this at the uh, end of uh, the book of Matthew, He says, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus said, When you give, you are giving to me. As much as someone else might rejoice over your giving today, you know what? Jesus rejoices over it as well. It's an amazing thing. You can cause rejoicing in the heavenlies just as you part with some pounds this morning. But uh, Paul goes further a bit later in verse 18. He says, Your offerings are like a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When things smell good, they bring us great delight. Uh, my friends and my family know that chicken brings me great delight. And uh, we have chicken, I uh, roast chicken every single Sunday just because I love it so much. It's just a bit of a rider, basically. Hey, I'm dad here. I pay the grocery bill. We're having roast chicken. It's good. And my wife occasionally, occasionally we can't have it. And my wife has to give me like a good 24 hours warning. So babe, just so you know, we haven't got chicken. I'm like, it's okay. I'm chill. I'm chill. It's totally fine. It's not fine. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> but as we walk through the door, I know those, those chickens are cooking right now. And it's chickens. We've got quite a lot of people in our family. So there's always two or three chickens. As I walk through a door, when I get home, it's going to smell like roast chicken in my kitchen. And I'm going to be full of delight and rejoicing. Let me tell you, what is it that smells good to you? What smells can I conjure up good things for you? Oh, God's saying, when you give, it smells good to him. It is, brings delight to his nostrils. People have caught onto this, haven't they? If you've been to Churchill Square recently, there's at least three stores that I can name that have caught onto this and really work hard to pump their scent out into the mall. So there's a Millie's Cookies, and if you walk down that end of the mall, that's that bleh, sickly smell of cookie dough just pumped out. And obviously, it works with some people, so there's always a queue of people buying cookies. Uh, if you go around the corner, you get to Hollister. And uh, they, spot, they kind of uh, uh, pump out their odor toilet into the uh, mall, which I, I think smells all right. I was uh, meeting with a preaching team a couple of weeks ago, and one of the guys was like, his smell's horrible. And I think it might be a reflection of his age uh, rather than the smell. And it's not aimed at him. And uh, if you go around the corner a bit further, you get to Zara Home, and they're pumping out their home essences. That you know, your house could smell like this if you buy this vase or a random trinket that you put on your shelf. Uh, they're, kind of, they're kind of tapping into the fact that smells do something. They're quite a tangible of grabbing hold of us something of that tangibleness in terms of our fragrance to God the opposite is true as well if you smell something bad, that can be gut-wrenching. Maybe it's Hollister or Minnie's cookies for you. Uh, in my house, it's wet football boots. I have Several members of my house hold play football, and uh, they bring their football boots in, just plunk them down, and they just dry out over the week, and sweat in the sweat in and the rainwater. And uh, I try and find a space to put them so they don't stink out the whole house. But I just I hate that smell. I'm like, Ugh. And uh, maybe there's other smells you can think of that that's pretty. Ugh. And to actually, God's given us that sense of smell to help protect us, hasn't he? From eating things or touching things that are a bit rank. But actually, when Paul talks about fragrance here, he's talking about, hey, your offering is a fragrant offering. I wonder if he's harking back to another passage in the Old Testament where it talks about God's people actually being a stench. Not being a fragrant offering, but being a stench to God. And that's in the book of Amos. And Amos was a prophet who spoke on behalf of God. And uh, he spoke to a time where God was pretty cross with God's people. And uh, this is what he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. They're strong words. What have these people done that has made God so cross with them and made them a stench. of a offering offering. They're doing religious things. They're singing songs to God. You know. They are offering burnt offerings. They're doing religious festivals and meeting assemblies. What is it, though, that's making them such a stench to God? Well, if you read further on the book, you find out they didn't take care of the poor. They left injustice unchecked. That's a thing that offends God. You can do all the religious duties you want. You can tick all the particular, maybe it's religious boxes you think that Christianity is meant to be. But if we forget the poor, we don't look after them, actually we end up being a stench to God. But let me finish positively. Paul is not saying that to the Philippians. He's saying, no, you are a fragrant offering. You are those who take concern of others. You care for other people and God loves that. Staying in uh, verse ten, he says this: "I rejoiced greatly in the I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at length you have revived your concern for me." He's saying that your concern for me it's been revived, or it says in another translation, it's been renewed. And like I said to, said to you earlier, we have three gift days a year and opportunity to give every week. I know many people in the room give by standing order, goes out of our bank accounts. We give and we give and we give, and sometimes you think. Really? Are we going to have to give again today? How is it another gift day already? Paul writes to another church in Galatia. He says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul thanks the Philippians for the giving again, and he reminds the Galatians to keep giving. Why? Because he knows that we can all suffer compassion fatigue. We can get tired of doing doing good. Weariness can set in. That temptation is there for all of us. No, I've done my bit. I've done it before. Do I really need to go again? God's saying, no, be like me. God is a generous God. His mercies are new every other week. No. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Every day, God comes and blesses us with his grace and mercy. God encourages us to pray. When, when, when do we pray for our bread? At the beginning of the week? No, daily. And daily, we come to God and say, God, give us what we need. And that's what he does. Every single moment, he's coming, being generous, being good to us. He said, come and be like me. Be good, be good on each and every occasion. Don't let weariness set in with this. But let me help you further with that. So yes, there's rejoicing over our giving. But you know there's a, just a privilege of giving as well. If you're thinking of letting this gift day pass you by and leave it to others, let me tell you, don't do that. Get involved. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. It's an opportunity to be, partner with God and what God is doing upon the earth. Paul says that this church has always been, always been kind of concerned for his welfare, but it wasn't until Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus uh, travelled to him that had the opportunity to follow through on it. From the passage I read in Galatians earlier, it says this, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us good to all, do good to all people. We can sometimes be moved or have the desire to help or give to other people, but sometimes it can be a bit difficult to know how. I find that's particularly the case when it comes to helping the poor and disadvantaged in our city. If you walk around our city, uh, you very quickly bump into people who are in need. And sometimes it's hard, what do I do with someone who is in need in front of me? And uh, we must be those who don't use a gift day as an excuse not to talk and listen and pray and maybe even give in the moment. I think Gift Days give us a real opportunity to so say, this is an opportunity I know in which I can get involved with remembering and helping the poor. We have an amazing team at Emmanuel who have spent years understanding the needs of our city and helping to meet, to meet it. I'm through a bit trial and error, to be honest with you. But actually getting things very, very right fruitful projects that are really helping in a sustainable way to help people get back on their feet and in a way that gives them dignity and gives them a way forward and a good trajectory. They're also good at working with other churches. We love working with other churches in the city, with other charities, the local authority, and other organisations as well, giving a holistic care for people in our city. This is a great opportunity for us to get on the back of. I think, how can I express my care for others? This is a great way in which to do it. It's a wise way of doing it. Verse 14, Paul says, It was kind of you to share in my troubles. Or if you look at the NIV, it says, It was good of you. And as I was reading it and as I was preparing this, I thought, yeah, it was good of them. But you know what? It was good for them as well. It would be good of you to give this morning. It would be rightful that people thank you and people rejoice over you. But you know what? It is good for you to give this morning as well. Because we get to part, get to be part of what God is doing upon the earth. God doesn't need us, but he invites us into doing what he's doing here upon the earth. I've been around a lot of gift days in this church, which means I've heard tons of stories of different people who've gone on adventurous leaps of faith with their finances when it comes to gift days. Often they often hear stories of people who've put away uh, a pot of money, they were saving for a particular thing, maybe it's to buy something or do something. And uh, they just felt in these kind of moments that God, just give them a little prompt. Hey, why don't you give that into the gift day and I've heard about people who wrestle with God really God but you know I want to do that in fact I feel you calling me to do this thing and I've been saving for it why would I now give that money away but just feeling that kind of just gentle kind of prodding by God say no trust me with this and given huge sums of money into gift days and given money away and then often not always must understand not always but often I hear that how that story results is that God fills up that lack again in another way Sometimes from external sources, some places they never knew where it would come from. Often though, from other people in the church. Someone else in the church has suddenly given them something which they can do the thing they wanted to do. So you got person A, wrestling with God about what they should give to the gift day. And they give it. And then person B then fills up that lack in the same church. You're thinking, God, that just seems a bit convoluted. Why do you just use person B to give into the gift day and cut out the wrestling and all the, all the malarkey there? Why? Because God wants us all to be involved. He could do that, but personally, we miss out on being a channel of blessing. We miss out on growing in faith and adventure with God. And God wants to invite us in. Hey, you get to be part of this. You get to take some steps. You get to put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your trust is. Put your money where your faith is. So we all get to be involved. And some of us, this will be the 20th time we've done it. Some today will be the first time you've done it. Let me encourage you. It can be a bit, bit kind of uh, nerve-wracking. I've definitely had butterflies sometimes putting in like, oh, this is ridiculous. But just like God, but I trust you. And sometimes very quickly, I'm in a good place. Sometimes like, oh, wow, we did really aren't living in need as a result. But you know what, God, I live in need because I want to be part of what you're doing upon the earth. We get to be a channel of blessing to others. We looked at the story of Abraham earlier this year. God chose Abraham, blessed Abraham. Why? So that God would get the glory, yes, but also so that he would be a blessing to those around him. We get to be part of the action. We don't just need to sit on the sidelines eating popcorn. What is God going to do? God said, no, come and join me. Get to be part of what is going on. God does not need you to save other people. God does not need you to help create a sustained all of creation. God does, does not need your help in answering prayers. But God chooses to use us in all these things. He chooses to use us to reach out to other people, to recreate things upon the earth, to help even answer the prayers of others. Yes, we want to keep praying for God's miraculous intervention in the world. But we also need to understand that God's main agency, the main way he works things out upon the earth is through his people. Genesis 1, it says this, God blessed Adam and Eve and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's with those who go out into every area of of life, every sphere of society and be fruitful. And multiply and do good. Same for us. We are to do good into every sphere we find ourselves. We are also to be those who love Jesus by obeying his commands. And he summed up all the whole swathe of instruction in the scriptures by saying this. Love God and love people. You know what? We get to love God and love people this morning by giving our offerings to him. Don't miss out today. Paul says this. He says, No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Paul's full of rejoicing for this Philippian church, but there must be some sense of grief in his church that some other churches haven't followed through. Hey, don't miss out today. However small your gift is, just get involved. Say, God, use me as part of this. But it's not easy. It's not easy to give our money. I don't say this lightly. It is a wrestle at times, particularly in times where we know fuel is the price of fuel is going up. We don't know quite where the economy is going. We're aware, keenly aware of our own needs. How do we work that out? Well, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than receive. So if you want some blessing in your finances or in your ways, you know what the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. You're thinking, well, that's a nice line, but is that really true? Well, let me tell you that a Harvard study that was published back in 2014 found that this was the case. Non Christians who are doing the study did a study on the giving habits of people and found out what the Bible has told us all along that it is indeed more blessed to give than receive. They called their study the paradox of generosity. And they found out that generous people were more happy and more blessed, and that misers were were more miserable. That's what they found. And it's not because those who gave had a warm, fuzzy feeling. They were poor, but they felt happy about it. Now, they generally found that those who gave ended up being better off in all kinds of indices, including financially. And that those who are stingy, held back, worried about their finances, ended up being worse off overall. So they found that one paradox. But they also found a second paradox. They found that people who knew this and even believed this, didn't often follow through. a society, there was a good chunk of people who said, yeah, we know that giving is good. It's good for the people I'm giving to, and it's good for me to do it, but still did not follow through. Only a small slither really followed through, put their money where their mouth was. The study doesn't tell us why. It doesn't really unpick the why behind it. Thankfully, Paul does though. Paul talks to the uh, Philippians. He kind of rejoices over their giving. But the rest of it, he takes an opportunity to say, how do we relate to the material things in our hands? How do we relate to what we have? How do we find contentment? He says this, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul tells us that he's found the secret to contentment. Thankfully, he's also shared it as well. And Paul's saying, I can empathise with all of you. To those of you who have much, he knows what it's like. To those of you who have little, he knows what it's like. What category would you put yourself in today have you got a lot have you got a little i challenge you if you think you've got a little because if you're sitting here in this part of the world with the safety nets that we have here actually a lot of us are pretty well off even those who are under pressure actually we sometimes need to challenge our own view of what how much we've got but maybe you genuinely do have a lot but maybe you genuinely do also have a little well paul's saying i can empathize with both of you And he knows the pressures of both groups of people. He knows the pressures of what it is to have abounding, uh, abounding in stuff. The pressure, the temptation to trust in the things we have rather than in God. It is difficult, Jesus tells us, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Comforts and riches are a distraction and can lead to prayerlessness, can even lead to godlessness. The things we have can be the things we put our trust in and can find our identity in. As well as this, there is a temptation to be anxious about how we invest, how to spend, how to save, how to give. As well as the worry of losing what we have and also maintaining a certain level of lifestyle. Does that mean that Christians should not have wealth? Not at all. Not at all. It's just to be those that are aware that those can be trappings for us. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is though. But even in the church of Philippi, there's a lady called Lydia that we read in Acts 16 and got saved there. And she's a rich businesswoman who deals in selling purple. And uh, the Bible does not say she gave everything she was and then took a poverty vow. No, she used her riches, continued to use her business acumen, continued to be an entrepreneur, but used her riches now for Christ instead of for herself. But maybe for you this morning, you know that greed has crept into your heart. Or maybe just comfortableness has crept in. I have a guy that I meet with regularly and I want, at the beginning of one January, I was, I was meeting with him just saying, I just feel a bit dull in my faith. I feel a bit just comfortable. I kind of know where I'm at. I'm kind of going through the motions a bit. And I said, I'd just love like you to pray with me. What should I do just to try and break that a little bit? And I would, as we pray together, just like God's speaking to me, give a bit more. I was like, oh, but I'm quite happy with what we're giving. He's like, no, give a bit more. And just that sense of like, actually, this is a great way of just breaking out of what can be just a bit of a dull spot. I'll break out that any sense of kind of uh, caring too much about the things I have. Maybe for you this morning, giving isn't really about the care thing. It's about your own heart and saying to God, you know what? I want more of you. Therefore, I am going to give. So that's maybe if you're rich. But Paul knows what it was to be in need as well. Maybe that's you this morning. He knows what it is to be in hunger and wants. If we read 2 Corinthians 11, it says this. It says that he knew what it is to work hard to be in prison, to be flogged and beaten severely, be exposed to death, beaten with rods, pelted with stones, shipwrecked, be constantly on the move, in danger from the elements, from all kinds of people, as well as going without sleep and being hungry, thirsty, cold and naked, to be weak and to no temptation. He knew what it was to be on the bad side of life. And yet he can say, I know the secret of contentment. He knew what it is to continue to trust in God. How? Because whether having a little or having a lot, he had learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. What's the secret? That he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. Maybe you are in lack this morning. You are just keenly aware of your need. My prayer for you is that God gives you strength to enter in this morning as well. Maybe it's a pound today. Say, you know what? That means I have to go without this this week, sometimes in our family, we've not had lots of money. We thought, what do we do? I tell you what, we'll just pare back breakfast for the month. We won't do cereal. We'll just do cheap white bread. That's what we'll do for the month. And our family know that's what we're going to do. Why? Because we're going to use the money we normally spend on breakfast to give into the gift day. We want to have something to give. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. There's just a little something you can do that says, God, I want my, you to be my strength. How how does that work? How do we get that strength? Whether you have a little or a lot, we all need that strength. What is Paul's reason for contentment? What is his reason for joy? Well, his contentment has a name. His strength has a name. His hope has a name. His joy has a name. And that name is Jesus. He knew what it was to walk with Jesus. The Bible describes him as a good shepherd. A good shepherd that has helped him to lie down in green pastures and be still, by kind, calm, still waters. He's also the good shepherd that's led him through dark valleys, where he can't see the sun, where things have been difficult. What's his reason for hope? It's because Jesus has been with him. Jesus is his source of comfort. Jesus is our source of comfort. And not just the there, there type of comfort. No, the strengthening comfort that comes from him. Paul knew what it was to know both wealth and poverty. So did Jesus. Jesus knew the wealth of heaven, the glories of the eternal. And yet he gave it up. To come to earth, to know the poverty of being born in a stable. To come and live in the reality of this fallen and cursed world with all its struggles and all its difficulties. And he came so that he might empathise with us. That he might know the things that you are going through. And he doesn't just hear you when you pray, he feels it. He feels the keenness of our struggles and gives us the comfort that we so desperately need. Paul thanks the Philippians for sharing in his troubles. But you know what? We thank God even more. We thank Jesus that he came to share in the struggles that each one of us has. And Jesus is incomparable in that sense. He didn't need to. In fact, it's almost scandalous that he did so. But he did it out of great love for you and me. Trouble, not just from external sources, but trouble that we create for ourselves. The Bible talks about the trouble that comes from our own sin-sick hearts. We're the ones that have messed up, but God in his great love has come to us. Paul says this in verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his glories in Christ. This is a wonderful reminder this morning. That As we give, we're not just following Jesus' example as a giver, but Jesus is our backstop. Jesus has got your back as you give this morning. He's got your financial back. He's got your relational back. He's got your emotional and mental back as well. he got, I've got it all. I've got you. Don't worry. How do we know that? It's because he went to the cross and died. He proved it, laid it all down for us. He's got our eternity. He knows that our sin means that we're meant to be separated from God. But he came that we might be joined with him. That we might know the forgiveness of our sins. He's given himself to us that we might know the healing of our diseases. We might know peace with God, that we might receive our daily bread, comfort for our soul, power to defeat sin, wisdom for our situations, a place in his family, and access to his heavenly throne room. Church, we have everything we need for life and godliness found in Christ Jesus. Why would we not give today? Even if we know some temporary lack, you know it's great to be able to say that we are part of what God is doing upon the earth. Even if it costs us something this morning, we can know there's great rejoicing in heaven and great rejoicing in our city because of what we give. But we need faith and we need help. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this this opportunity that presents itself to us this morning. And uh, Lord, none of us want to give out of guilt this morning. Lord, please let that not be the case. We want to give because we know that you are a giving God that's inviting us into being like you. You're a giving God who's giving us opportunities to bless others. And even as we bless others, that we would be blessed in return, Lord God. That's an okay motivation. It is, Lord. And we can test you with this, Lord, because I am giving, Lord. I am trusting you now that you would provide for my needs. I want to pray as a result of today, right across our five services, there'll be many stories of those who maybe gave for the first time or who gave big and just found, Lord God, that you are faithful, that you are true, that we can speak your promises back to you that we might begin to just tell stories of their faithfulness to us. I pray, God, make us a generous people, not just today, Lord God. We thank you for gift days, but Lord, I pray make us generous on every occasion, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbours, to people we bump into in the street, Lord. Generous with our finances, generous with our time, generous with our energies, we pray. Generous with our prayers, Lord God. Will that be the mark of this church, Lord God. Let us not shrink back, Lord God. Let us not grow weary, but press on in the people you've called us to be, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.